we, we talk about cortisol almost as if it's like, it's our stress hormone. We can, we can very easily think, oh, this is a bad thing, but it actually, it's, it's required for survival. We need cortisol in order to feel alert um, and just to have sort of a normal circadian rhythm. Welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Walker. As a former naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I align the intersection of personal performance, purpose, and innovative thinking in badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters. Anthropology is the study and science of what makes an entrepreneur think, feel, and perform in a path compelled by a vision for helping others, solving problems, while building a life on your own terms. Together, we are exploring the health, mindset, and strategies that distinguish the world's best entrepreneurs. This is the Anthropology Podcast. Welcome to episode 246 of the Anthropology Podcast. Like always, I am Dr. Megan Walker, super excited to delve into a subject matter that falls smack dab in the middle between mindset, body and entrepreneurship, like the epitome of what it means to study and look at uh, anthropology. And what I'm really talking about today and where I'm going with my guests is we're looking at burnout and our state of burnout and exhaustion. And before you go, well, not me, I don't have that. What's really cool about the conversation that I had with my two guests today is that they have a framework for burnout, which helps us acknowledge and recognize that all of us are on some part of that trajectory of, of burnout and of physiological compensation in the face of stress. One of those four categories is highly adaptive. One of those four categories is actually where we want to be hanging out. And what I want you guys to understand are the characteristics of each. So you can recognize where you need to be, where you are currently sitting, and the things that you can do to increase the capacity and resilience of your body in the face of stress. You know, now more than ever in talking to uh, colleagues, members of our, our mastermind, and members of our mastermind are practitioners, like they know these tools. Even they are saying to me, I am more tired than I have ever been. I am exhausted and expected to recover during the summer or expected to recover during my vacation. And I couldn't quite get there. And what we're unpacking today in this conversation is why that is. It is truly my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Aaron Weeb and Dr. Destiny Spurl, who together form the Soul Spark Sisterhood. They've got some incredible knowledge to drop your way. Here they are. Here we go. Let's talk all about burnout. Doctors Aaron Weeb and Destiny Spurl, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. Excited for this conversation, Megan. Well, we kind of have a lot to uh, we have a lot to unpack here, and um, we're talking about something that is so important and so critical to our audience, especially where we're at in the state of the, the world. Like everyone joked at the beginning of the pandemic, this is going to be a marathon. And everyone's like, ah, oh, you know, like four months, we'll put our head down and we'll come out the other side. Like we're in it. And the thing about the marathon, I think at this point is we don't know how long it is. We've made this commitment and we're in the middle of the race and we really, we don't know how long we're going to be here. So we're going to have a really fulsome conversation around this idea of burnout. Everyone according to you guys, is in some categorization or some category of burnout. No one is actually escaping this piece. Before we get into that, I'm wondering, can you guys share with my audience who you are, what you do, and why this is a topic you guys are so passionate about exploring? 
Absolutely. We're super excited to have this conversation because we're going to turn your perspective of burnout on its head and give you what you need to know to stay out of it for good. Because like you said, no one is exempt from a phase of burnout and understanding where we are on that scale is exactly what we need to know to stay out of it for good. So I'm Destiny Spurl. I'm a naturopathic doctor, a mom of three, um, and have toggled in and out of burnout myself a number of times. And um, I think it's what makes me so passionate about this topic because we, can, we can't just address it from a physical perspective alone if we're going to stay out of it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Dr. Erin. Yes, and I am Erin Weeb. I am also an naturopathic doctor. I am also a wife and a mom of two. And like my partner here in crime, I am also very familiar with burnout, have have um, flirted with that space for a few a few times, and it's not super fun. And so also it has brought me to this place of really being passionate about helping people uh, navigate navigate uh, through burnout, but but really ultimately preventing preventing burnout in the first place. Okay, so here's my question. And Erin, I'm going to start with you. Like, how, how do we actually know we're in burnout? Because I think we know when we're in burnout, like burnout, burnout, like, I cannot restore, I can't get off the couch, there's something wrong with me. Everything is is stressful and unappetizing and like we we kind of know instinctively they're like I think this is what burnout is but you guys would say there's all these other stages and opportunities to recognize it beforehand like how do we how do we know we're we're in a state of burnout or moving in that direction I think that's really critical because a lot of people do equate burnout with exhaustion and that's just that's just a piece of burnout it's a stage of burnout and I'll I'll often say to people you know, I think they have an appreciation for this. Like no one just wakes up with diabetes and, you know, they don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden they have diabetes. There's a progression to the disease. And I think people appreciate that. And I think it's exactly the same with burnout. There's a progression. We don't just wake up one morning and go, I'm exhausted. I've never been exhausted like this. I have no idea where this came from. But I think if we can understand how it progresses, we can figure out where we are before we're actually in that exhaustion state. And I think this is particularly, um, critical for your audience of entrepreneurs because we actually hang out in the alarm phase which is phase number one we 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 hang out in that alarm phase a lot as entrepreneurs and it actually feels really good because there's this adrenaline rush that happens during that uh or this this uh, uh, yeah it's an adrenaline rush during that during that phase and in a lot of um, entrepreneurs, a lot of people, we, we seek things like skydiving and, um, you know, like, yeah, jumping out of airplanes and going on roller coasters because there's this adrenaline rush that actually feels invigorating. For some people, it can feel like anxiety. And for others, it feels exhilarating. It feels really exciting. And so that is actually where a lot of entrepreneurs hang out. We hang out there and it, it, it creates a lot of productivity. There's a lot of like, you know, a lot of ideas can be created in that space. Um, on the flip side, though, it also can be a place of anxiety. It is a place where our adrenaline is increasing over time. Our cortisol will start to rise as well. And, you know, if we, if we, I like to sort of create the parallel, if we look at like our ancestors in the cave person age, that would have been a time where the saber-toothed tiger was actually ready for attack, right? And so we're, we're either in a state of fight or flight, uh, or freeze at that stage. Uh, we don't have those kinds of obstacles and, and threats 
generally speaking, in our environment. And so we create these threats, but they feel good. And so that's that alarm phase. Um, and, but that is already sort of your indication that you might actually be in the alarm phase, but it actually might feel good. So is it a problem? No. It can be. It can be. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it can be if you hang out there for too long. Yeah. Um, it's, it's Aaron doesn't like it. And Destiny's <laughs> like, I like alarm. I'm just teasing. <laughs> we both love it. Like, let's just be honest. We both love it. But Aaron's going to tell you what when it tips over. Right. So if we hang out in that space for too long, we end up burning the candle at both ends, which the burn is beautiful. The burn feels good, but it also fizzles out eventually. And right. So, it's not sustainable. Right. No. Yeah. So I would talk about this all the time with my with my patients, because there is there is a time and place where you're going to have to burn it on both ends. It, it, it's inevitable in in life. It's going to happen. Maybe maybe you're not an entrepreneur and you're you're moving and having kids and like life just happens all at once. But it is it is not a sustainable place mm-hmm. to hang out. But we're just I feel like we're designed to be able to handle it a little bit. For sure. Absolutely. It's what makes us feel alive. I don't know what you guys felt like in the height of lockdown, but I felt like I needed more stimulation because the world just felt flat in that Mm -hmm. time. Like that alarm phase can feel really awesome and help us to actually, we need a bit of that stimulation to be able to create the counterbalance of rest. But when we stay there for too long, we end up in the next phase. Do you want to jam on that one, Destiny? Or do you want me to keep going? Take it away, Aaron. Okay. So phase two um, is is the compensation phase. We call it the compensation phase. It's where our body, um, it, it, it we can't have these elevations in cortisol forever. We start to, that cortisol starts to come down, but our body still is able to, to more or less adapt to the changes of stress around us. But we start to see certain um, symptoms start to arise. This is the phase where I tend to start to see changes in sleep. So, you know, we have this sort of restless tossing kind of night, we wake up feeling really exhausted, we're kind of dragging ourselves all day. And then at the end of the day, like say at supper time, or after supper, we get this second wind. And then all of a sudden, we have all this energy. But it's like, it's the end of the day. And and we need to start calming ourselves down at that point. And the cycle kind of repeats itself. I find that's really the most common symptom I start to see there. We start to see hormonal changes in a woman's menstrual cycle. Um, you know, we start to see more premenstrual symptoms, more irritability, more anxiety. Um, those are kind of the, the things that we start to see. You know, we're, we're functioning okay, but we're not functioning at our peak. We're not, we're not optimally productive during that time. Right. It's a declining capacity. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And I feel like this is a phase two where a lot of us, uh, we, 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 and by we, I don't actually mean any of us, Oh no! but collectively for like, we'll speak to all women. This is where, where we tend to, I mean, you called it the compensation phase because physiologically we're compensating, but I think we even inadvertently compensate with decisions that we make around Mm. us. We're like, Oh, I'm feeling a little anxious. I'm going to have that extra glass of wine, not on the weekend, but on like Monday night or that second cup of coffee starts to sneak into the afternoon. Like it's not, it's not just that our body's compensating. It's that we engage in activity that, that reinforces that piece. Are you seeing the same thing? I'm assuming you are. Absolutely. Right. And how long can people do that for? Asking for a friend. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. 
I think everyone's capacity is very different. I think it, it's hard to say for sure for each person. You have someone is is sitting in front of me, and actually, I had a patient just yesterday who just started a new business, and for the last month, it was it's a brand new business, and she was telling me that she was sleeping for three to five hours a night, and I was like, oh, okay, so. I don't think you can sustain this. I can't predict how long someone like that would be able to to manage on three to five hours of sleep. It really depends on someone's capacity. You know, we can go back as far as, you know, what was the state of of someone's mother's health while they were pregnant with with you, right? Like it can it can even be dependent on your mother's health. Um, actionably right now, it's also like, how are you eating? How are you counterbalancing that during your day? How are you exercising? Because each of these lifestyle factors, you know, what's going to be supportive or harmful is different based on your burnout phase. And that's what we see a lot of times is, you know, somebody might be in exhaustion phase thinking that they need to do HIIT workouts and wake up at five and eat keto and they're, they're making their situation worse rather than better. Whereas, you know, that might actually work really well for them in something like an adaptive phase. Okay. Which we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I found too from, from my patient experience in this phase is it also, you know, back to what we were talking about before in terms of, of entrepreneurs and they, they like to jump out of planes and they love this like adrenaline and, and dopamine rush for those people who actually strive and are looking for more dopamine and have more dopamine inherently in their system, it blunts that cortisol curve. So they can get a, they can quote unquote, get away with it or feel like they can get away with it for uh, longer. And that, and then my experience is like, all of a sudden they're like, Oh gosh, like I've hit, I've hit a wall, which I suspect is congruent with your third phase. And if I can just add one piece there, unfortunately, we are positively reinforced to stay in these phases, right? We get a, we get a raise at work or we meet that, that, um, that goal, that income goal that we were wanting to achieve. And so it gets positively reinforced. And so we just keep going. So that's that, uh, you know, from a psychological perspective, it keeps us there. Right. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a good point. And we can kind of break that apart afterwards. Um, in terms of like, how do we leverage these different phases? I'm a huge fan of like, how do I have my gluten-free cake and eat it too? Um, And I'm excited to get into that. Like, how do we start to blunt some of these, uh, this linear trajectory? Okay, so we have alarm, we have compensation, then what what do we start to see happen? Erin, I'm gonna let you keep going with it because you're doing it so beautifully. Sure, so we've got phase three exhaustion phase is where we're moving into. And again, it's not just that someone wakes up feeling exhausted one day, they've been in the compensation phase for a while and they they if, if we stay there for too long, we can hit that exhaustion phase. And I'm I'm not speaking to, let's say, like having a sudden trauma, you know, that can definitely move us through the phases much quicker. I'm talking about, you know, to the to your listeners right now who are in that entrepreneurial space who are kind of living this lifestyle every day. So over time, we get to that exhaustion phase, the, we, we talk about cortisol almost as if it's like, it's our stress hormone, we can we can very easily think, oh, this is a bad thing, but it actually it's, it's required for survival. We need cortisol in order to feel alert um, and just to have sort of a normal circadian rhythm. But in the exhaustion phase, we have this, we have a blunted or even like a, a very low cortisol response. And so then as, as the demands continue to compound um, and, and we require, you know, the ability to continue to adapt to stress, we aren't able to. 
And so it can leave us feeling, um, you know, in this phase, and I, I'm, I'm going back to, you know, three, four years ago when I was in that phase where I would sit at my computer and I couldn't focus. I would read the same paragraph over and over again. Um, I would feel, uh, you know, just, you know, cognitively I had ideas and I was feeling creative, but I couldn't execute on them because I was, um, I just, I was exhausted. You know, I wasn't able to, to sleep, although my, I would, my head would hit the pillow and I would fall asleep like instantly. Um, but I'd be up in the middle of the night trying to, trying to get back to sleep. You know, your, your mind starts racing. Um, and the exhaustion piece is, is huge at that stage. I mean, libido is also another thing that really starts to decline. Mood changes, depression, anxiety start to, start to creep in during that phase. And then we start to really feel, um, you know, by, by definition, we start to feel less passion towards, you know, the things in our life that usually light us up. Things like our work that we that we right. usually love doing, our children, you know, we start to feel more resentment towards towards the things the things in life that actually we love and we value, but we're just not in a position to be able to to really engage. And I, you know, I want to comment here, and I'm wondering, Destiny, if you can, you know, speak to this as a clinician, because my experience is that, and and I didn't necessarily label the phases and depth of burnout as well as you guys have, but people would get to this phase. And one of the challenges as a clinician wanting to treat burnout was they would come and they're like, I am exhausted. And my doctor said, I'm fine <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it, it still kind of looks fine based on, first of all, fine is just like the lowest and worst possible standard of health that you could possibly exist in. Like, I just want everyone Agreed. to know one's standard for how they should feel should be way beyond fine. Fine is not the bar. Right. Hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but can we just talk a little bit about like any kind of findings objectively that would be starting to emerge here um, or not? with respect. I just want to acknowledge that piece because I think we dismiss that we're in, in a state of exhaustion because our doctor quote unquote says our iron is normal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is often when people are reaching out for help because they no longer have the capacity to compensate anymore. Right. And in the context that I'm in, I'm providing um, IVs, IV therapy, like vitamin mineral uh, therapy for patients and injections. And that's often a tool that can help them feel better once they're in that exhaustion phase. So I'm seeing people at that point often. And commonly, I would, I would probably say actually, maybe even the majority of the time, it's at least half and half, their blood work is fine it's normal. Like by all, you know, we can talk about, you know, our, you know, our physicians are going to look for the absence of disease. And we're going to look at that a little bit more from a, are we functioning optimally as naturopathic doctors? Um, but commonly there aren't, there aren't really findings that your doctor's going to find and there aren't really solutions that they're going to be able to provide. Right. And so it really, you know, it puts us in the spot of like radical responsibility where we to truly be empowered in, in burnout, we need to be able to recognize earlier where we are or to be able to value our experience when we get to that spot. You know, when I'm doing someone's vitals, I can tell when they're in burnout. I said this to a woman yesterday. I said, when I do your blood pressure, when I take your pulse, I can tell your body is trying really hard to keep up and it's feeling it. And I shared that with her because I knew 
that she was struggling to validate how she was feeling in exhaustion phase right now because there wasn't an objective finding. She'd done all of the things. Right. You know? Right. What's interesting to like bring it back to the analogy that Aaron used before, you don't just wake up with diabetes one day. Like this disease process has been moving forward for a long period of time. But you do have a day where you cross the threshold from your blood work being normal to being abnormal. Absolutely. And you know, you can have a fan belt in your car and it's gonna break one day. But yeah. I mean, yesterday it wasn't like frayed and barely hanging on by a thread, but it was still intact. Exactly. So we've done this thing where we're like, literally health is like you're in or you're out. It's black or white, you're in debt or not in debt with respect to health. And I think it does a massive disservice to validating how we're actually feeling. Like it Absolutely. really, it plays a head game, right? We're like, oh, it's all in your head. It's in your mm -hmm. head. This has been hard for everybody. Do you want an antidepressant? Right. And that's, I think that's the most common offering for somebody who is coming in feeling that low mood, that apathy to life. I refer to it as their libido for life. Um, that is really common, right? And it's not, I think too, we just think about energy with burnout, but once we're in that exhaustion phase, that's when we're going to see like digestion's probably acting up. Maybe we have new onset allergies, you know, probably hormones are at least functionally, maybe your labs look fine, but functionally they're not, right. you're not feeling good. And so that's when we, it starts to compound on itself. You know, if we're not, if we have that adrenaline, that cortisol shunting the blood flow away from our digestive tract, we're not going to absorb those nutrients that we need to really support our body anymore in that phase. And that's when it starts to show up in our blood work often. Right. Okay. So exhaustion, I was like, where is there to go past here? But there is somewhere to go. So where do we go past exhaustion? Destiny, do you want to jump into this one? To adaptive? Adaptive yeah. is where we want to hang out. And adaptive is when it's not the absence of stress, and I think that's really important to highlight, but it's that the stress that we have is counterbalanced by the rest that we have. You know, we need a good balance of stimulation, play, and rest. And so absolutely, you know, we were built primarily to respond to that saber-toothed tiger and then to go hide out in our cave with our handful of berries or whatever our catch was for the day, right? And so in that phase, we can flow between those things. It's, it's that, you know, we can experience the stress and then we can release it from our body again. And that is truly what the adaptive phase is all about. Okay, I, I love that because on this, I was going to say, if we're not an alarm, where where are we? And I feel like the adaptive pace like really captures that sort of ideal place that we're sitting. How do we actually know which of these phases we are, are sitting in? Cause I, I feel like we tend to talk ourselves out of this idea that we're even in a state of burnout. We're like, Oh, that's that other people are, mm. but I'm, but I'm okay. How, how do you place people into one of these categories? So, and, and that's where, you know, going to your medical doctor, it's really tricky because there isn't, we've talked about this already, there really isn't an objective test. I mean, we can do some some saliva cortisol testing or urine cortisol testing, um, but your medical doctor is not going to offer those things. And some people don't access those le that level of objective information. Really, we categorize people based on their symptoms and also how they respond to stress. What, what is their capacity? Like, I'll, I'll often ask people too, um, when you're faced with stress, how how do you, how does your body respond? Do you feel like you're able to meet the challenge the way you were, you know, 10 years ago? Do you feel like you are, you know, you feel more overwhelmed? Do you feel like you withdraw? So those types of how someone responds to stress will also give us a really good indication of where they are on that scale as well. 
Mm-hmm. It's been you're really not just getting you're not just getting old. You you just outgrown the patterns that served you before, yes, right? And yes. that's the distinction too between alarm and adaptive. Is in alarm you might not be able to get out of that feeling of stimulation when you want to, mm-hmm. right? Whereas in the adaptive phase you can feel that adrenaline rush and then you can come down from it again. How do we start to learn to? to do that? Because like you said, the tools that served us for so long might not be the tools that serve us now. I mean, I know so many people had this idea of, you know, procrastination as a student reinforced with them. They're like, I wasn't going to study for the exam four weeks in advance. I was going to study for it, you know, the night before and through the night, which just doesn't work when you're 40 with three kids. No, no. So how do we, how do we learn to do that in the absence of, you know, all, all the personal development, uh, work that, that we tend to hang out in, in this, in this health space, but like, where does the average entrepreneur go to, to do this and learn this? There's a quote that Aaron and I often come back to, and it's by Gretchen Rubin. And it's the, what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while. And we love to talk about this concept of the 1% shift because particularly our mind loves extremes. We love black and white, but if we think, okay, what is the ideal circumstance here? How can we just shift towards that, like one percent more, right? Right. Because you know, stealing from Tony Robbins' analogy, or, or I guess highlighting his analogy, I when steal we from shift him every day, yeah, when we shift our trajectory, <laughs> just that one degree, ten miles down the road, yeah. we're going to be in an entirely different spot. So when, particularly when you're in exhaustion phase, you might not be able to execute some massive lifestyle change, or you know make a drastic shift right in that moment. But these 1% shifts that we can tangibly access consist with some relative consistency, to be graceful with ourselves. That's how we can truly, truly make a difference over time. Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like I have spoken to more people in the last week who have expected to feel better by this point. They're like, I have taken vacation. I've been on time. There's almost a panic. They're like, I'm supposed to do stuff this year. And I, I was waiting to feel refreshed and restored. And they're like, I can't, I can't find it. I can't access it. What do we do for those people to jumpstart them? I just want to acknowledge them because I feel like that's a huge part of the world right now. We're, we're trying to quote unquote, get back to normal, except we don't, our environment is not normal. And we feed off of our environment so much, but like, how do we kickstart their physiology so that it starts to work for them on their behalf? Yeah, I think really, truly appreciating where you are is immensely important. And Aaron uses this analogy um, often is that when we're in that exhaustion phase, we have to recover as if we are recovering from an acute illness. And I think just actually acknowledging that is the first step to be able to start to place value on those 1% shifts that we can implement in the everyday. You know, I know I went away by myself overnight a while ago to try and I had these grand visions of of all the things I was going to figure out and do. And by the time I I came back from my time away, I was like, nope, the thing I'm going to do is I'm going to maintain my (laughs) bedtime and my wake time, what I call my sleep frame, plus or minus 30 minutes consistently at least five days of the week. That is my highest yield action, and that is where I'm starting. So we talk about access points. What can you access right here and right Right. now that's going to make the biggest impact for you? It's not all of the things. You can't do all of the things. But you need to recognize where you are, place value on where you are, and be real about what your access point is right here and now. 
Where do adrenals and adrenal fatigue fit into all of this, Erin? I mean, this is all adrenal fatigue, I would say. I mean, and and I think, I don't know if you've had anyone else on the podcast talk about adrenal fatigue. It's a bit of a misnomer, right? Our adrenals don't fatigue. It's actually the interruption of our pituitary in our brain speaking to our adrenals. Just to, you know, put that out there. <laughs> just to clarify um, that. Yeah. Just to clarify, just in case there's someone listening that, you know, is like, ah, uh, not, not a thing. No, adrenal fatigue is not a thing. Our adrenals don't fatigue. Our brain gets interrupted with by stress and then therefore interrupts that communication with the adrenals. This is basically the stages that we move through towards adrenal fatigue. I would probably put the exhaustion phase or say that the ex- exhaustion phase is is synonymous with adrenal fatigue. And what do we do about that? Like, you know, as, a, as a, I think as NDs, we have this inclination, like we have, we have tools and we have supplements that we can use to support adrenals. Is that, is that something you leverage at this point? Like, how do you, how do you couch and caveat that destiny? Absolutely. But I think we have to actually look at why we're burning out in the first place. Yes, it's a physiological process, but we happen to our body too. So I think really and truly, you know, what I say to people is I say, If you want to avoid burnout for good, you need to first recognize that it is often our addiction. Like we talked about, we commonly like to feel that way. Mm -hmm. So we need to really look at that and look at the agency we have in that circumstance. And then it really takes three things. We have to reconnect the wisdom of our body. We have to understand the workings of our mind and how we are relating to ourselves and our thoughts and begin to le- lean into those whispers of our soul or what I refer to as our truth. It's those three things that make us burnout proof. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but in all seriousness, a physical approach is essential and it might be your access point. And if it is, start there. But it's inadequate to consistently prevent and treat burnout. We need to look at it really in a sense of where are we disconnecting from ourself, our, our body, mind and soul because it is that disconnect that creates the friction and the energy loss and the unsustainable patterns in our everyday life and when we can actually focus in on that then it doesn't matter if you're if you're approaching it from the you know IV therapy and the adrenal supplements cool if that's your access point awesome if you're addressing it from like how am i relating to my thoughts what am i believing to be true what are the stories that i'm i'm falling into and are they serving me great that's going to be really helpful too and then you know leaning into that truth like i often say what is my yes like what's the hell yes and what is my hell no and just beginning to place weight on that is an immensely powerful thing and so absolutely to the supplements they make a big difference but where your access point is go there start there with the thing that you can do with relative consistency. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that because um, in the work that I would do clinically and I, my obsession with this idea of purpose, what we actually found was that when people actually were able to articulate that they were in congruence with purpose in their life, that their work was purposeful or that, you know, whatever it was that they were doing was in alignment with that, we actually found it blunted the cortisol curve. consistently like you had physiological protection from all of this stress when you were working in alignment with what you quote unquote should be doing as opposed to what we've all been doing which is 
running our businesses and homeschooling our kids and keeping everybody alive and watching case counts go up and down and all of these other things, which are, I, I, there's no, there's no, well, maybe there's a few people who are totally living their purpose during the pandemic. And I applaud them because they're going to keep us all going. Um, but for most people, it's made us really, really susceptible during this time because we are so out of stride with mm-hmm. our true work and we can't access it necessarily mm-hmm. the way we mm-hmm. Um, we want to, I just feel like that's a, that's a big part of why we're like really deep. Totally. Right now. Totally. And I really, there's two words that I always come back to. It's attune and align to body, mind, and soul, because often when we're in a state of, you know, alarm, we're not attuning, we're not tuning in, we're doing, we're burning during the day and we're, and then everything that's kind of outstanding, you know, what's true to us is what starts spinning in our mind when our head hits the pillow and we can't fall asleep. Right. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think that this is a beautiful place to start to transition the interview. You guys have talked about some really cool tools. I know one of the things that you guys have is this amazing quiz where we can actually start to understand where we are and you start to be really solution oriented and we'll make sure everyone's hooked up with that um, in our show notes. But I want to move into a section of the interview I call our KPIs or key performance indicators. So just like we have them in our business, I believe we have them in our life. And as you guys would say, when we engage in these things in a 1% trajectory, it starts to move us uh, forward. So I'm going to ask each of you this question, because I know you probably won't have the same answer. And Aaron, I'll start with you. Is there a book or idea that you've been exposed to in 2021 that has really been a game changer for you in terms of how you're thinking about life or how you're thinking about burnout? Yeah, I actually just read a book recently called We Are All Perfectly Fine, which is a sarcastic title. Uh, and it's written. it's written by a medical doctor from my hometown of winnipeg where i live her name is jillian horton she's an she's an internal medicine doctor and it it walks through she's a a wonderful writer because her background is in english and she did a master's in english before she went to med school and so she's a a wonderful writer it's it's you know if, if if you have some listeners who like a like to read a story, but also want something that feels like it, it helps with self-development and, and that side of things, then this is a perfect marriage of the two. But she walks through her her experience basically of burnout going through med school and residency and becoming, you know, an academic dean or an associate dean at the university. And um, just the lack of talking about burnout in the medical field. She didn't, I don't know that she necessarily talked about that during med school. She talked about, um, you know, being in ground rounds after like a 24 hour shift and just like feeling so nauseated that she was just step away for a moment throw up, come back and just be like, oh, I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> like everything's perfectly fine. So she just walks through this this experience and how how she she came to appreciate and learn about mindfulness and how it totally revolutionized her her way of practicing medicine and, and relating to her students and her patients and how it's changed her life. And it's just a beautifully crafted story um, and really gives you some some you know, dark insights into that experience of going through med school and residency. Um, So not necessarily for the faint of heart, but definitely anyone who is in the medical field would definitely appreciate this book. Amazing. I love that suggestion. I'm going to order it. Destiny, what about you? This is a book. So I find, you know, if people kind of tune to what the truth is inside, sometimes they really struggle to speak it in their lives or how, how can they you know, you know, establish boundaries or communicate this peace for themselves from a, a place of love and compassion, right? And there's a book that I read um, 
That was last year, actually, but I'm going to use it this year. Uh, called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss. And I think he just does such a beautiful job of demonstrating how you can find mutual ground to work from, even with the, he was an FBI negotiator, so even with the craziest of hostage takers, right? And so, yeah, I just think that's a really empowering book in terms of helping you to see how you can communicate in a win-win conversation, even if you feel like you don't have anything in common with the person on the other side. Awesome suggestion. He's got a great masterclass too. Mm. If anyone's inclined to do it from that perspective. Destiny, what's your favorite health hack? It's like an umbrella term. It's really, it's playing with my nervous system. <laughs> That's my favorite health hack. So smells, I love smells to do that. I love using temperature. Like I can think the most clearly and creatively when I'm in water. I don't know why. But that's like, that's again, it's using my nervous system. And it's the thing that helps me tap into sleep is just recognizing where I am and being able to understand what my tools are to help regulate that. That's my hack. Erin, what about you? Mm, I love those, Destiny. Um, simple, sleep. Like to me, it's 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 what I go back to when I need to recharge. I know if I've had a long day, it's it's the one thing that I know I need to prioritize and focus on sleep yeah it's the ult if you can sleep i'm a sleeper like i can i can sleep it is it is such a gift and such a reset yeah it changes everything yeah it's like turning a computer off and back on and suddenly all of the computer problems are magically everything's better everything yeah. everything is better aaron how would you define your purpose just a quick little question right and just a quick little just answer a, you know like Top of mind, don't give it any thought. What's your purpose yeah. in life? <laughs> My purpose is connecting with people and helping them discover who they're meant to be and supporting them along that journey. Beautiful. Destiny? I would say how I've articulated this has changed a lot over the years, but I really feel like it's about healing the relationships that we have with ourselves, with our beautiful bodies, our amazingly awesome and crazy minds and our souls because over time I feel like that truly is where the suffering lies is when we become disconnected and yeah healing that relationship is with ourselves, us with ourselves, can be immensely powerful for you personally and in your business amazing okay and for this last question I want you guys to write down your answer so that you can't be influenced by the other person I'm never influenced by what Destiny says. <laughs> no right. question. Right, of course. Okay, here's the question. You guys ready? Yeah. You know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurism. Are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs? Oh, Aaron. Oh, mine's on a piece of paper that has like a whole bunch of other things. That's okay. You can. I, I personally learned. Okay, I like it. We've got a commitment to learn. Destiny? I think some people are born with a physiology that sets them up for the risk tolerance that draws them into entrepreneurship. And we can learn it. I think I'm like, I've got both. <laughs> so. I also know who's really politically inclined when I ask this question. Um, thank you both for that piece. It was interesting last week, we had I had this realization with a guest when I asked that question. And we've come to we this guest and I have come to the conclusion that entrepreneurship is epigenetic. 
Mm. that there's like this predisposition but then if we have this exposure or we have this compelling need like we can leverage the blueprint the way that we need to uh we need to uh leverage it so i i love and respect everybody's uh answers on this you guys are up to so much amazing work in this world with entrepreneurs with people who are out there living their mission who want to make sure that their physiology is along for the ride where can we send people Aaron to learn more about what you guys are up to in the world so we have a website we love we have a great website soulsparksisterhood.com uh, you can also visit us on Instagram at soulsparksisterhood we love to jam out on uh, Instagram and we have our quiz we have a gift it, for you guys. Yes, so you can check out our quiz at soulsparksisterhood.com forward slash burnout. Destiny has something to say about it. Yeah, because we are all on the burnout scale. And like we were saying, identifying what phase you're in is what sets you up to really be able to have impact here. And so what the burnout scale quiz does, it helps you identify where you are on the burnout scale. You receive specific actions that support versus sabotage your energy and focus. And they are specific to your burnout phase. And so like Erin said, you can access that at soulsparksisterhood.com forward slash burnout. Get Amazing. started with your 1% shifts, right? Yeah, it's the 1%. I absolutely love that. Dr. Destiny, Dr. Erin, we will hook everybody up in our show notes with all of these awesome resources that you have given them today. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a peach. <laughs> Thanks, Megan. Understanding this idea of burnout, understanding that we have an ability to increase our resilience or capacity as humans and as people, I think is one of the most important things that we can come to realize and understand when it, it when it really means contextualizing our ability to contribute in the long game. How do we maintain our health? How do we maintain our quality of life in the face of all the responsibilities that we have, in the face of the work that we really want to do? I love the framework that uh, Aaron and Destiny have developed. I also just love the way they work with their clients to help maintain this element of their health so that they can do the work they need to do in the world. And, you know, one of the things that I think is just so important and critical to recognize here, and I talked about this in the introduction, is that it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have about health, you are still susceptible to these pieces. And I, I think sometimes as practitioners, we feel this sense of shame when we are getting exhausted by our work. We are in this privileged position where we get to get up every day and help people. We get to get up every day and, and work in a direction um, that I think for many of us feels like our calling and yet it can still be tiring, just like we can love our kids and, and hanging out with our kids day in and day out and managing them can also be exhausting. This idea that these two pieces can coexist simultaneously, I think, is such an important piece to recognize and then acknowledge that when we resource ourselves accordingly, we can also increase our resilience to the stress that we will inevitably feel in life. And speaking to this idea in particular for practitioners for just one second, I want to make one last, and I say one last because we are really down to the wire on this. I want to make one last invitation for you to join us at our upcoming event, Impact Lives. Impact Lives is an event uh, that I conceived uh, four years ago because I really 
really wanted to change the trajectory, the 1% of where our industry was headed. If we started to improve our skills a little bit at a time, if we started to think about our business differently, if we actually started to create business systems as opposed to these one-off lessons, we would stop turning to CE as the place that we went to try to solve the stress with respect to our practice. And we'd actually start to execute on a plan moving forward to how we can, to how we can reach more people and how we can reach more people in a way that literally serves our soul that doesn't start to stress us out. And so each year we've picked a theme for Impact Lives. Last year, the theme was community. We talked all about community medicine. And this year in 2021, we're going to talk about marketing. We're going to talk about marketing because I feel like now more than ever, the world needs to hear our message. The world needs to hear what we do and how we deliver health. The world needs to hear that the line of fine that we alluded to in this interview is the bare minimum standard of how we should feel. That if we all want to be able to execute and have the capacity to contribute to the world in a manner that is in alignment with our soul, as destiny would say, then we need the tools and the frameworks in order to be able to get there. And while some people need it for their health, some people also need it for their business. And that's what we're looking at at Impact Lives this year. We're going to talk about marketing, not as one-off concepts, but in the context of an entire system. We call it the impact marketing system. It's something that we teach to individuals in our masterminds and in our programs. We're going to teach that marketing system and we're going to bring in some incredible, compelling speakers to help bring that piece to life. So what everybody will leave with at the end of those three days is an entire marketing system for their practice so that they can reach more people, not by feeling like I do a whole bunch of stuff and I don't know what's working, but by knowing exactly how to execute on each item within their uh, marketing and within their business. So if you're a practitioner who wants to reach more people, who wants to have more impact and is super tired of feeling like you try a whole bunch of things and you don't know how to make it work, then we've absolutely got your back. You can head to impactlivesevent.com to secure your seat and your ticket. The event is entirely virtual. We're pulling people in from around the world. It's so exciting to see this. We've got people coming from Israel and Singapore and the United States and Australia and New Zealand and, and Canada and the Guernsey Islands out of the UK. It's really, truly something special to look at how practitioners around the world are united in this mutual desire to have more impact at a time where we need it most. So reserve your seat to impactlivesevent.com. We've got amazing things happening. It's starting in just over a week from now. As always, you can now see why I say this. I'm Dr. Megan Walker, and I am wishing you an incredibly impactful week ahead. And I'll hang out with you again here next week. 